Welcome to another podcast from the BCC team. Our aim is to bring you a message that will help you live a better, more God-centered life. For more information, go to bcc.church. I want to, I want to speak today about uh, how Christ identifies with us in our loneliness. Now, loneliness is a very, very deep and profound subject. So, uh, this morning, I'm not, this afternoon, I'm not speaking as someone who's got it all sorted out. And as you're going to hear and understand, it's, I'm quite far from, from it in many ways, but in the same time, I do understand how Christ actually identifies in my loneliness and how he actually does uh, step in when, when I need help. So, I want to ask you this Have you ever felt lonely even when you're not alone? Like, to me, this happens quite often, I may say, especially, especially during this period, especially around Christmas time. Because, I, I mean, many times, many, many days, many years, people invite me to Christmas meal, but I struggle in my heart because I know that Christmas time is that time of the year where you spend time with your family and with those that you love. Uh, you wake up in the morning with a cup of hot chocolate and open gifts and brag about your cool pajamas. So when someone invites me to a Christmas meal or something similar, even in the morning, I, I struggle in my heart because I don't really want to mess that system up with my presence, you know? I, I may tend to even feel like a burden, even though I know that no one thinks like this. It's only my issue. <laughs> but in the, and in the same time, I just really don't want people to pity me, which is another pride issue in my heart that I need to sort out. And if someone else would be in my situation as well, like not having a family or someone, I'll do the same for this. I'll invite them, I'll be like rebuking them, stop being so proud, just come here. So I, <laughs> I understand this, I'm a bit hypocritical in the way I think and the way I behave when it comes to this. But Christmas time, it brings my top three love languages in one day. My first one is quality time, and I enjoy spending time with people I love, people that love me, just chill together, just being together. Second one is physical touch, so hugs, high fives, rubbing shoulders on the sofa, watching telly or talking, playing board games. So that's really cool. And then obviously gifts. That's quite easy to understand. <clears throat> just throwing it out there for you. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> so Christmas brings all these three things in one day, and that's why I tend to struggle a bit, because in mid-January, I will not struggle. It's like, January, who cares? But, but at Christmas time, it tends to get to me a bit. So I understand loneliness, especially the feeling of feeling lonely and really thinking that there is no way out. There's no hope for it. There's no way you can actually get out of that loneliness. So loneliness is a real emotion. And studies show that if you do feel lonely, you are not alone. Actually, one in ten people feel lonely, which means that 10% of the population of England feels lonely. That's 7 million people, which, means, which is the population of London. So if in, all, in, all, in all England, London would feel lonely. This could also mean that one in ten people in this place right now feel lonely, feel that they don't have someone they can go to, feel they don't have someone that they can speak with. Even if those people don't really solve your issues, but you may feel like, who do I go to when I feel lonely? Studies even show that loneliness can affect us both mentally and physically. So loneliness is really, really a serious matter. And if at any time in your life you have felt lonely, you know uh, what I'm talking about. You know how deep it can go. But from the start, I want to say the fact that loneliness is not part of God's plan. When God created Adam, the first man, in Genesis 2.18, we read, Then the Lord said, It is not good that a man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. 
God made a helper fit for Adam. And it's important to understand that our loneliness, if you do feel lonely, that points towards a need that we have as human beings. Even in the perfect world of Eden, God said that it was not good that Adam should be alone. So he created Eve. And this word fit in Hebrew brings this idea of someone being a side Adam. Someone that he will do life together with. Someone he will communicate, a partner, a companion. So God created the heavens and the earth. God created the sky, dry land, the continents, the islands. God created all plant life, huge and small. Uh, God created the stars. God created the sun. God created the moon. God created whatever lives in the water, whatever uh, lives on, on dry land. All, all creatures. And then God created man. And after all that, God looks and says that it was good. And in Genesis 1.26, we read, God said, let us make man in our likeness, in our image. And being in the likeness of God, it also means not being alone. Because God is not alone. Loneliness does not reflect God's character. Loneliness is not one of God's attributes. I'll encourage you to <laughs> study theology. God never identifies himself as lonely. Imagine him going to Adam and saying, Hey Adam, I'm your God and I am lonely. It's like God never says that he is something like that. So God is not lonely and if we are to be in his likeness, we are not to be lonely. So the first, the first gift God personally gave to man was the gift of belonging. Yeah. He created Eve as a helper fit for Adam. So everything was perfect. Adam was not alone, Eve was not alone, and they were both living in a perfect, intimate relationship with God. John Milton said, loneliness was the first thing that God's eye named not good. After he created everything, the first thing that God says it's not good, loneliness. He points towards loneliness. And like for those of you that may study theology, it's important to see when God mentions for the first time a thing. And this is the first time God mentions something that is not good. And this points towards Loneliness. So loneliness had no place in that perfect place until Satan stepped on the stage. And that's when everything started to change. This is where we need to understand that loneliness is a consequence of sin. Our loneliness, if you do feel lonely, is a consequence of the sin that happened in the Garden of Gethsemane, in the Garden of Eden. So Adam and Eve sinned against God, and because of their sin, they could no longer be in that perfect relationship with God, which is why God had to send them away from the Garden of Eden. And for the first time in history, for the first time in history, loneliness crept in. For the first time, loneliness crept in and a void was created in the human, car, in the human heart. A void that is a consequence of the separation between us and God, a consequence of our own sin. That's why we read in Isaiah 59, your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God and your sins have hidden his face from you so he does not hear. You know, sin blinds us from the beauty of God. The tragedy of our, of our loneliness is that we can no longer see God as beautiful. And we can no longer communicate with Him. And we know very well, you cannot nurture a relationship with someone that you don't spend time with. You cannot nurture a relationship with someone you don't see nor hear. And this is what sin did. It separated us from God. And we can trace the beginning of our loneliness back in the garden. But Adam and Eve sinned against God and they were separated because of sin. And I'm sure that all of us have noticed how wrongdoing separates us from people. If someone does something wrong to me, I tend to, that's my natural default, I tend to separate myself from them. I want, it may take a while, and then, because <laughs> I'm a Christian, I need to go back there and God rebukes me. But that what we do, is someone, when someone does wrong to us, we just separate ourselves from them. It's just what we normally do. And this is, wrongdoing brings separation, and sin brought separation even in that place as well. And I've seen and experienced 
the consequences in front of loneliness. And I would say that it happened quite uh, recently as well. So I found myself in both ends. A few months ago, I became single again. And I thought I knew how to handle it, okay? Because obviously it wasn't the first time. <laughs> I knew I had to go through the process of crying night after night, pillows full of tears and wet, literally. So I come to church, work, and then find a solitary place where I cry, no one sees me, no. If I'd be a woman, I'd put some makeup to cover everything. And so, so, so it, it was that type of season. And that's how I'm going to firm it. I'm going to get over it. It's not the first time I'm doing it. So I was pouring out my heart and my pain in front of God. I was even crying out to God, asking him, why does it hurt so much? Why is it so painful? Please take this pain away because I, I felt like I couldn't handle it. And I wish it would have been so easy. Just, bang, okay, that you're done with. Like I healed you. But it doesn't really work like this. And in my pain and in my loneliness, I've said things. I wish I would just go back in time and erase those few minutes. Now, if I would time travel or be flash to go back in time. Like, I would just like to go and say, this never happened. But it doesn't really work like this. In my pain, I did hurt people I love, friends that are really dear to my heart and for whom I would do anything. So in my loneliness, I don't want to find any excuse for what I've done, because that would be hypocritical. But loneliness messed me up, big time. Especially, obviously, emotionally. Like, it messed my relationships, it messed me up. And I tried to hide it, I tried to suppress my pain, but I wasn't the same anymore. And to be honest, even now, as I speak, I'm not there yet. Okay, my heart is not fully healed. I, I, I still cry at times, I still feel the pain sometimes. I still wake up after a nice dream, but to come back to reality to see it's not like that. So there is still pain that I'm dealing with and working on. At the same time, my loneliness revealed how dependent I am or how dependent I should be on God. Because we know very well we are generally dependent on God. The very fact that you're breathing right now is because God is gracious enough to give us air and oxygen or something to breathe. So this is the general dependence that we have on God. But at the same time, I learned that I am also dependent on the work I do and the ministry that God is calling me to do. Because if it was up to me, months ago, I would like, feel like give, give everything up. And I learned in those moments that I should never make decisions based on loneliness. Because it's very unwise. You don't make decisions when you feel like your world is falling apart. And I learned that, that can actually, God can actually work through the brokenness of my heart as well. It doesn't stop him. I just need to make sure I don't comply in my victim mode and victimhood and poor me. I'm so lonely in the whole world. I just, even though it seems like I cannot actually get out of it, God is there. God will help me. Now I'm looking back and it's like God is working in, in my life as well. So I don't want to like isolate myself from everyone. Okay? Because I want, to, I want God to use me to be a blessing to everyone. Because God, God doesn't qualify those that are perfect. No, it's not how it was. God can use the brokenness of my heart as well to really bless people. So I wish I would say that God healed my heart, but I would lie. <laughs> I wish I would say that I, it no longer hurts because it sometimes still does. I wish I would stand in front of everyone telling that my pain is gone and that my heart is healed, but I cannot say this. What I can say, though, is that even in my singleness, I'm not lonely. And the singleness doesn't point towards loneliness. And I, I can confidently tell you this. I am not alone. I don't feel lonely. I may be heartbroken and healing, but I'm not lonely. And there's a big difference. Do not put loneliness and singleness on the same thing. And for those of you that may struggle for 
a while now, and I understand. So I'm 27. In the last few months, I've heard so many people encouraging me to get married, like I never heard in the previous 27 years of my life. And I understand it comes from a good heart, and I'm always like, let me sort that part of my life out, you know? So like, I understand it comes from a good heart, but probably the older we get, the more pressure we feel from those around us, like, get, get the life sorted. So I, I understand this, but don't, don't make decisions based, based on loneliness, because you can end up marrying the wrong person. You can end, can end up being in wrong relationships. Let, let, just let God fill that void first. And then he'll work things out. And don't worry about the age, you know. We're still young, even at 30 and 40. So, <laughs> should I say that? <laughs> Something came in my mind that is not in my notes. Like, Pastor Mark will have a certain age in a few days. He's still young, right? Yes. So we're young. We're all of us. All of us are young. <laughs> so <laughs> my point is that even if I'm hurt and I'm healing, but I'm not alone, Okay? And David says in Psalm 25, says, My eyes are ever towards the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Consider my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. How many of you have sometimes maybe felt like David that all the, all the troubles of your heart are enlarged? Everything is bigger. Loneliness amplifies the pain to the point that it makes it almost unbearable. And even in his pain, David says to God, my face is always towards you. My eyes are ever towards you, God. Because what we normally tend to do when we're hurt and we're lonely, we try to just isolate ourselves with our own loneliness and pain and just focus on what's happening to us. We just sort of, sort of <laughs> masochism, if you want. Like, enjoy that pain, we just focus on that this is our, what we normally do. We isolate ourselves from God and those around us and set our eyes on the pain to the point that that pain can actually cage us in loneliness. Uh, we need to be very, very aware of this. God's solution to Adam's loneliness was a helper fit for, for him. And God's solution to our loneliness today is again a helper fit for us. The Holy Spirit and Jesus, they're, they're definitely very fit to help us, you know. If someone can do that, it's God, obviously. So we're reading Psalm 54, for behold, God is my helper. The Lord is the upholder of my life. So how did God actually help us in our loneliness? And in one word, I'm sure you know the word, is Jesus. <laughs> God helped us through Jesus in our own loneliness. You see, Jesus didn't only come to save us from our sins, but he also came to save us from our loneliness. Because we have been adopted because of Jesus into God's family. So Jesus saves us from loneliness as well. Psalm 41.10, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I can just imagine Jesus even before coming down on earth, uh, observing the loneliness and the pain of humankind, speaking to us even before he became a baby boy in a manger, saying something like, fear not, I am with you, I will strengthen you, I will help you. And his response to our need was to give himself away. He did see a huge void that could only be met by him. So that's why Jesus stepped and said, I am going to go there for them and save them from their loneliness as well. He was driven to save lives, focused on intentionally coming after us, planning the day, planning the time, being very well aware of everything that it would cost him. And the cost was huge. We heard Priscilla as well, very well speaking. The cost of Jesus' sacrifice was huge. He did all that knowing the pain and the suffering and the loneliness that he was about to go through. Because he saw a need and he couldn't just stand, sit in heaven and join the angels. He had to come and identify with us. He looked deep in the heart of humankind and he saw that void. 
I said, I need to go there and meet that need. I can just imagine God, like the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, with millions of angels gathering around the table, and the question of the day was, how do we save humankind? How do we save them even from their loneliness? And can you imagine from millions and millions of strategies and ways of God saving humankind, the genius of God was that Jesus was to come. And Jesus left everything, left glory, Jesus left heaven, left all the praises to identify with us as humans. So Jesus came as a baby boy and he lived a normal life. He was a teenager, he was a young adult, he was like Nyla, like a little baby that his Mary had to, can you imagine, Mary had to look after God's own son. So he knows how it is to have a relationship with parents. He knows how it is to do chores. I'm sure that Mary and Joseph in that Jewish environment, they were not just go, go chill on your PlayStation, you know. He had to do stuff. He learned carpentry from Joseph, and I'm sure he helped them all the time with stuff around the home. He also understands, understood how important it is to nurture a relationship with God the Father. He was reading his Bible uh, back then. He was even going to church. One time he went to church without telling his parents, and his parents were like, we lost our son. And then when they see him in church, he's like, where do you want me to be, no? Like, he really understood how it is to, at 12 years old, I'm sure that if you have a 12-year-old, they never run away from home to go to church. I don't know this happened. But that was Jesus. He started even as a kid, as a, not even a teenager, because he wasn't 13, he was 12. So even like that, he, he lived this sort of normal life, but he understood how important it is for him to be with his heavenly father. He made friends, people he loved so much, people that he did life with, people in which he invested everything he knew and everything that he was. And he was always for them every time they needed. He was a real friend, loving Peter with the truth, even when that truth really hurt Peter. He was even loving Judas, washing his feet, knowing that those feet are going to run away to betray him for 30 pieces of silver. He loved Judas even in those moments, even knowing the intentions of his mind. Jesus loved. He was a great, great friend. Jesus was betrayed by every single one of his friends. And in the last few days of his life, he was left all alone because everyone ran away. When they mocked him, his friends were no longer there to support him. They were hiding in the shadows. When he was beaten, his friends didn't jump to protect him. They were no longer there. When he needed support in prayer, his closest three friends were sleeping. He was crying with tears of, of blood. He was crying tears of blood, and his closest friends were clueless of what he was going through. They were just sleeping like logs in a garden while Jesus was suffering in agony before he was about to be uh, abused and crucified ultimately. And this wasn't even the closest thing. This, this was not even close to what he was about to endure on that cross. All the betrayal, all the abuse, all the suffering was not even close to what is about to happen on that cross. After all the beatings, after all the mockery, after all the abuse, after the nurse pierced his hands in his feet, after the bleeding, after the betrayal he endured, after all that, he only had one more hope. He had only one more person in the whole universe, and that was God, his Father. He was his only hope. And bleeding on that cross, heartbroken and forsaken, tired and feeble and weak, he gathers his last strength to say the last few words, and what he shouts to his father, who was supposed to be his hope, says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you forsaken me? And this word forsaken brings us this idea of abandonment. Why have you abandoned me? Jesus' last hope, the only one who didn't betray him, the only one who was there for him. And in the last moments of his life, he looks to 
the father, and the father was no longer there. He was all alone. Do you think for a second that Jesus doesn't understand our loneliness? Because in that moment, Jesus became the loneliest man in the known and unknown universe. On that cross, when he looked to the Father and the Father was no longer there. You know, the difference between my loneliness and Jesus' loneliness is that Jesus was actually alone. You and I, we are not alone. Even when we feel lonely, we are not lonely because God is always here for us. On that cross, Jesus didn't cry out, Father, I feel like you have forsaken me. It wasn't a feeling, it was reality. The cruel, agonizing reality that the Father was no longer there. That's because he was actually all alone. And do you know why he was alone? Because of me and because of you. He was alone for me and he was alone for you. Jesus took my sins and he on himself and he nailed us into the cross quite literally in many aspects. So what my sin did and what your sin did is what sin does, even from the creation of the world, is that it separated Christ from his own father. Because the sin, as we just read, your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. So, and your sin have hidden his face from you so he does not hear. And Jesus became my sin. Jesus took on my sin. He knew what he was doing. And he came, and this is more agonizing than the, probably the nails that pierced his hands because his own father left him because of the sin that he took on himself for us and because of us as well. Our sins have made a separation between Jesus and his father. Our sins have hidden the father's face from Jesus. Can you imagine the one you love the most, the one that loves you the most, you look up and he's no longer there. The Father no longer heard Jesus because our sin separated Jesus from the Father in the same way that Adam and Eve's sin separated them from the Garden of Eden in the beginning. There's a pattern there. That's what sin does. That's why loneliness is a consequence of our own sin. So Jesus gave us his holiness and took on our sinfulness to make a way for us to have entrance to the Father. Jesus was condemned in our place so that we can receive eternal life in his name. This is what Jesus did for us on that cross. And when everyone thought that Jesus was done for when Satan even thought, I have destroyed Jesus. I've done, even when his friends no longer believed that he would come back to life, even though he did tell them. What friends do you have anyway? anyway? When everyone thought that Jesus was done for, on the third day he rose again, having conquered death, having conquered sin, having destroyed Satan himself. When, when everyone thought that Jesus is done for, he rose up victorious. And now he's alive. Now as I speak, he's alive. Sitting at the, in the heavenly place, places praying for you and me. Jesus gets us. He understands us. He knows what you're going through because he's been lonely. He understands what your pain. He understands your distress. He understands everything that you're going through. People may not understand that. And we may not always understand everything everyone goes through. But Jesus does because he experienced that. He went through the same things as we do on, on the next level. Hebrews 4, 14 to, 16, 14 to 16. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed to the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. Why? Because we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. So let us run, let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Run with confidence to God. Run with confidence towards Him because He understands, He gets you. He understands the pain. He understands how, how hard it is. He understands what a broken heart feels like. Like really, his closest friends left him. Even his father, because of our sin, left him. There was no hope. 
There was no hope. But he, he went through. He, he is victorious right now as, as we are speaking. That's why we always push this Jesus in front. Because he gets us. He's not a God that is, I don't know, let's put an elephant, whatever you call it, happy Buddha type, with just a statue that has no idea what you're going through. We pray to a God who understands our need. Because he himself has been through it. He understands our pain because he, he himself was hurt. He understands everything. And if you are lonely, God gets you. God understands you. Jesus understands your loneliness. That's why he became the high priest. That's why through him and because of him we have hope. I don't pray to Mary. I don't pray to Joseph. I don't pray to any other saints. They may have done good stuff in the world, but they don't get me. Jesus does. Jesus sacrificed his life for me. That's why I go to him. He's our only hope. He's the one who's always there for us in every season. That's why we run with confidence to Jesus who understands us, knows what you're going through, knows how hard it is, knows how painful it is, knows that you're desperate, knows the dreading feeling of loneliness. He's been through all that. Have you ever cried with tears of, of blood? I doubt that. Jesus did because his heart was so broken. And he understands that. That's why we run confidently to him. He loves us. He welcomes us. He gives grace. He gives strength. He gives forgiveness. He gives us a family and friends. That's why I'm so confident to say that I'm not alone. I am part of the greatest family of the universe. Where God, God, my father, the creator of everything, the savior of the world is with me in the same family. I belong. I'm not alone. I am not alone. That's why singleness doesn't define my loneliness. It's not... I'm not alone. I cannot be. And neither are you. Though you may feel like it, but you're not. Because Jesus is always there for praying for us. And then now we have a helper fit to help us. The Holy Spirit. Jesus says, I'm going, but I'm not leaving you alone. You're not all alone now. I'll send you someone to help to guide you in all truth. To be with you until the end of the world. Until the end of days. So in conclusion, I want to read one of my favorite verses. In Isaiah 49, 15 and 16. It says, can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? And I'm, I always say this, but it's that's such a silly question. Like imagine I go to Emilia and say, can you forget Nyla? Like if I roast me for even asking this question, of course not. So it's like, bloody, don't be stupid, of course not, you know. So, but God brings this idea just to make us understand how much he loves us. So can a woman forget her child? Of course not. Like, my mom, even though I didn't grow up with her, she didn't forget me. We have a good relationship, so we're, we're still together, okay? But even in the unlikely event of a woman or a mom forgetting her child, it says, even if they may forget, yet I will not forget you. Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Even if, which is absurd, but even if they may forget, God will not forget you. God knows you. God has your name. Mark, engraved in the palm of his hands. And when God washes his face this morning before coming to church, he saw Mark written on, on his palm. He saw Tammy. He saw Leslie. He saw Vlad. He saw Priscilla. He saw Daisy. He saw our names there. He can never forget us. Even if he, it's, it's absurd, even if he, if he will decide to forget us, he cannot because we're there. <laughs> we're saved. We're with him. And the way I deal with my loneliness, I literally just go, first of all, turn my face towards God. Because if I am to look at people around me, and there are many people that will support me every single time, there's only so much that someone can do in your life. But I, like David, I turn my eyes and my face towards God, because that's where my help comes from. So first of all, I look to God. Then I look to, to His Word. I like, in the last few months, I've become so addicted with God's Word that I even read the whole book as my quiet time. And it's not because I want to grow or something. I just love it. It's just part of my 
relationship with God. I have time. I'm single, ain't it? <laughs> but you see, don't see your singleness as a curse. Because God, just spends, let God fill that void first. And don't worry, God is going to bring the right one and people in your life. That's, that's not an issue for him. He doesn't run out of single women or men. If you want. <laughs> he, he knows, he knows what we're going through. But I want you to be encouraged to know that your name is engraved on the palm of his hands. Every time he wakes up, every time he washes his hands, every time he creates something, again, he'll do it with you in mind. Because he'll never forget you. Okay, God bless you.